We are continuing in this series that we started last week where we are looking at wisdom, right? We're looking at the wisdom found specifically in this Old Testament book of the Bible called Proverbs. And what we learned last week is that wisdom, and I mean true biblical wisdom, and Jamie alluded to this, it is seeing and responding to life from God's perspective, right? So if you want to live a foolproof life, you want to see things the way that God sees them, and then you want to do them the way that God would do them. That's, that's living a life of wisdom. And as you live that life of wisdom, it is going to bless you. But more than anything, the goal for us to want to live a life of wisdom is because it honors our God, right? And that's, that's what, that should always be our goal, to honor God. Today, we're going to dig deeper into the first of a number of different themes throughout this series. And this is certainly something that we, we all wrestle with, that everybody wrestles with, and it's called losing your temper. And, and, and of course, people get mad for any number of reasons and in any number of different locations. I've seen people get mad, for example, on 480 and I-71. It ain't pretty. I've seen people get mad in the airport. That's even uglier. I've seen people get mad at the mall or in stores, right? People get mad all the time. They lose their temper. I came across a, a website that uh, or shared the top triggers that can cause people to lose their temper. And you may have other ones that you might think are higher, but this is what this website said. These are the top five, okay? Let's see if you agree with some of these. Number one, being put on hold for more than 15 of these. Number one, being put on hold for more than 15 minutes. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a trigger. Number four, people talking during a movie. Number three, people who don't use their blinkers while making a turn. That, that drives me up and that's just a tree. I, it happened this morning. I was like, hello, you know, blink, blink. I wish there was a universal sign. I don't know how you could do that. But <laughs> Number two, people talking on the phone in public places. You ever hear that? You're at the grocery store and they're walking. You think they're talking to you and you're like, I'm doing fine. Oh, you're not even talking to me. And now I'm embarrassed. So, you know, at the airport, the gym, that can, that's a trigger. And then this is probably the number, the number one trigger, getting cut off in traffic. Ooh, yeah, a lot of grrr. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, so we're going to address that today. We're going to talk about losing your temper. And, and certainly, um, there are any number of triggers that can cause you to lose your temper. What I want you to look at is this list here. And I want you to see if you can notice something in common. You, do you see that on the list? Okay, the, the, all of these involve someone or something that causes you to lose your temper based on that's what people will say. Right? It's not you losing your temper. It's these other things that are making me lose my temper right? It's not my fault. And, and, and I don't know if, if you feel that way or not, but there are a lot of people who would, you know, think that that's true. But is that really true? Can someone or something else actually cause you to lose your temper? I, don't get me wrong. I do understand that there are things that happen in your life that are out of your control. But can you control the way you react? Yeah. And I think that's what that's what, uh, and Jamie read this, but that's what Solomon had in mind when he says this in Proverbs 22. He says, I'm sorry, Proverbs 16, 32, better to be patient than powerful. It is better to have self-control than to conquer a city. So the bottom line here, really, okay, in a nutshell, losing your temper is a choice. 
Keep that in mind. Now, I realize that for all of you sitting here, all of you watching online right now, that you all wrestle with this, some of you more than others, and some of you also understand how hard it is to be around somebody who's constantly losing their temper and how much better it is to be around somebody who is uh, more patient and self-controlled. I think that's also why Solomon gives these words of encouragement, saying in Proverbs 22, do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered. Okay, so, so there's, there's all of this wisdom found in this book called Proverbs, and it, there's a lot of wisdom, a lot of verses that surround this idea of losing your temper. So what I'd like to do today is look at that wisdom found in the book of Proverbs and throughout the rest of God's word, and I want to share with you some practical steps, practical steps that you can take that I believe will help you make your temper foolproof. Okay, so let's dive right, dive right in. Step number one, of course, is you need to consider the results. If you are, ser- I mean, truly serious about making your temper foolproof, think about the consequences that can happen when you lose your temper. I was reading a study recently, and it stated that the average male loses his temper six times a, a week, whereas an average female loses her temper three times a week. Uh, This study also stated that while women tend to get more angry at other people, men, on average, get more angry at things like technology or, you know, machines that break down. In this study, it also indicated that single people express their anger twice as much as married people, and men tend to express their anger physically much more so than women. And then this, this one really hit home. Um, the most common place, this study dis- discovered that the most common place where people lose their temper, it's not out on a freeway or the mall or the airport. It's at home. Most people will lose their temper at home. And, and so, you know, before you, if you want to make your temper foolproof, consider the results. Think about the impact that's going to have, and not just on you, okay, but the people around you. Think about the impact it'll have on your marriage, right? your kids, your friendships, teammates, coworkers, your reputation. Proverbs 15 says, a hot-tempered man stirs up dissension. Proverbs 29 verse 22 says, an angry person stirs up a fight and a hothead does much wrong. People who lose their tempers do foolish things, wrong things, you know, um, hurtful things. I don't know if you've heard of Will Rogers. He had some really funny quips, but he was talking about losing your anger. And he says it this way, people who fly into a rage always make a bad landing. That is so true. Here's the bottom line, though. This is the point I want you to understand. When you lose your temper, you always lose something. You do. You might lose your job, right? You might lose the respect of your peers. You might lose your spouse or your kids or maybe some other member of your family. You may lose your health. There are all kinds of studies that talk about people with anger issues who have more stress, more heart attacks, more high, you know, higher blood pressure, uh, less sleep. When you lose your temper, you always lose something. This was in an article that I read from the Family Institute. It came out like uh, five years ago. 
the article was called, When You Feel Like Screaming. And in this article, there was a survey that was taken of, of middle schoolers, kids from like 9 to 13, and they were asked two questions. What do you like most about mom, and what do you like least about mom? And as you can imagine, there are lots of various answers about what the kids loved most about their mom or liked most about them. What was interesting is when they came to the question, what do you like least, almost unanimously, those children stated, I don't like it when mom screams at me. And maybe you felt that. Maybe you've experienced that personally. Maybe not your mom, maybe it was your dad, and you know how awful it is. My question is, why do we do that? Why do we, why do we scream when we're angry? You ever wonder that? Why do we have to raise our voice when we are mad? And the simple but very sad answer is because it works. The short term, there is a short term effect when you scream at another person that will often cause them to comply. They're usually so taken aback and afraid that they will do what you tell them. So there is that short term effect, but there is also the long term effect in that, again, you lose. Because losing your temper will always alienate and always destroy. So if you are serious about wanting to you know, make your temper foolproof, Consider the impact. Consider the consequences. That's step number one. Just stop and think about how it's going to impact you and the people around you. Step number two, calm down before you react. If you start feeling your temper rising, do not respond impulsively. Do not do that. That is bad, bad, bad. Give yourself some time to cool down. Proverbs 29, 11 says it this way. A fool gives full vent to his anger. So let me just share a couple of tips for you, some insider tips. If you want to make your temper foolproof, here's tip number one. A great remedy to, remember, to anger is delay. The longer you can delay your reaction, the better. Now, I know there are some people who think that this, they, they can't do that. They'll say, I've tried that, it doesn't work. And yet I would argue the reason why they, it doesn't work for them is they don't want it to work for them. They want to be angry. Remember, Losing your temper is a choice. Look back here at um, Proverbs 29, 11. It says, a fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. So it is possible to control your response. You just need some time to cool down. Proverbs 19 says, sensible people control their temper. They earn respect by overlooking wrongs. So again, if you want to foolproof your temper, then yes, give yourself some time, right? Delay your reaction. But here's practical tip number two. Be willing to overlook a hurt. And if you want somebody to use as an example, look at Jesus. He was nailed to a cross to, earn the to pay the punishment for your sins and to earn your forgiveness. And yet on that cross, it says in 1 Peter 2, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Right? He took on that pain, that mockery, that he, was, he endured all of that on the cross so that you and me and all people everywhere can enjoy God's love and, and, and grace and a relationship with him that'll never end. However, sometimes giving yourself, you know, that time to cool down as well as overlooking a hurt is easier said than done. So here's a third tip that I think really helps as well. And it's this. It helps to have the right perspective or maybe change your perspective. 
I am not proud of this, but I can tell you for a fact that I used to, when I used to drive my car and somebody would pull out in front of me and they would go like five or 10 miles an hour slower than the posted speed limit. Oh my goodness. It drove me nuts. And then one day my wife, because remember in the Bible, wisdom is a she. So one day my beautiful, uh, wonderful wife, Carla said, just pretend that that's your mom driving the car in front of you. Well, that was no fun. (laughs) It worked, but I wanted to be mad. (laughs) They were wrong. I'm right. Leave me alone. It it works. Because what did I do? I had the right, I had I changed my perspective and that changed my attitude. It works. Try it. Proverbs 17 says, people who stay calm have real insight. So when irritated, just change your perspective. Say, is this really that big of a deal? Because it probably isn't. And then understand that for every minute that you are angry, you lose 60 seconds of happiness, right? More than anything, though, Understand that anger in and of itself isn't really the problem, but rather an indicator of other things that are, you know, deeper issues. Warning lights, we'll call these. For example, sometimes you get angry when you are hurt, right? Hurt causes anger. It just does. When you are hurt physically or emotionally or relationally or spiritually or whatever way, you get angry. Second, you get angry when you're frustrated, when things don't go as planned when things don't happen, when you want them to happen, when your life starts to come apart at the seams, you get angry. Third, you get angry when you are feeling insecure. If your self-worth has been attacked or if you feel threatened or afraid, you get angry. And see, all three of those things on the screens there, and for those of you watching at home right below me, those are warning lights. And once you recognize those warning lights and you learn to deal with those warning lights, guess what happens to your anger? It dramatically drops. So when you are taking that time to cool down, ask yourself, okay, why am I so mad right now? Is it because I'm hurt? Is it because I'm frustrated? Is it because I'm feeling insecure? Right? You want to deal with those warning lights first. Third practical step. If you are serious about making your temper foolproof, Control your words, right? Control what comes out of your mouth. I mean, just quick show of hands. Uh, and I did this with the previous service. Quick show of hands. How many of you would, are willing to admit that you said something that you later regretted? I mean, oh, look at all those hands. Yeah. The rest of you are lying. <laughs> it happens. Proverbs 21 says, those who are careful about what they say, keep themselves out of trouble. Isn't that the truth? You can spare yourself and others a boatload of grief if you just hold your tongue. Mm. Proverbs 15 says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Watch your harsh words, especially your sarcastic words. They cut. They can be so destructive. In fact, look at that top line there. A gentle answer turns away wrath. Based on that verse, there are two principles I want to share with you. Okay, look at that part. That, whose wrath is being turned away in that, in that verse? It's your, your wrath. So here's principle number one. To keep your anger at bay, talk quieter. Try it. Okay, if you want to turn down your anger, turn down the volume of your voice. The louder you get, the ang- more angrier you get. It's, it's a thing. 
So if you're going to respond, respond with a gentle voice. Then look at that second line, but a harsh word stirs up anger. See those two words, stirs up. This is principle number two. Anger is contagious, folks. If you get angry, chances are pretty good that the people around you are going to get angry too. And now for all of you parents and grandparents, understand your kids, they watch you. They watch how you speak when you get angry. And so understand that when you lose your temper, you blow your top, you are teaching those kids, those grandkids, how to respond when they are hurt or when they are frustrated or when they are insecure. Watch your words. Now, I get it. I understand that because we live in a sin-broken world, a sin-polluted world that is broken with sin. There are going to be times when your anger is going to start to, to rise within you. And it might be because you are hurt or frustrated or insecure, whatever. But here's the thing. When you feel that anger welling up inside of you, you have, you're going to want to respond in at least one kind of way. So what's the best way? Well, one way to respond is to repress your anger, right? to stuff it down and to stifle it. Maybe just ignore that you're mad. Pretend you're not really mad at all. Well, that rarely, if ever, works, and it can actually lead to some serious health issues like insomnia and ulcers. Another way that you could respond, of course, is to express it. Right? These are the people who just blow up. They just explode. And even though they may feel much better after they've just vented like that, I can tell you with a fair amount of confidence that the people who are the recipients of all that horsepower don't feel that much better. In fact, there are a lot of relationships that are destroyed because of explosive anger. But there is a third way that you can respond. This is by far the best way. And I would encourage you to confess it. Just to unload it, you know, admit it to God so that he can bring his healing love and peace and power into your life. In fact, remember those three warning lights I was talking to you about earlier, the hurt, the frustration, the insecurity. Jesus can heal every single one of those. He can. It's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. For example, when you are angry because you hurt, Jesus can heal your hurt with his love. If you've been abused, if you've been neglected, Jesus, he understands. He knows your pain and he knows what you're going through and he loves you. Your pain matters to him because you matter to him. In fact, you matter so much to him. He left heaven to come to this earth and to suffer and die on a cross to pay for all of your mistakes and failures and bad choices and the times when you've lost your temper and all the times when you will lose your temper. But it's that same love of God that flows into your heart. It's that same love of God that allows you to understand that, that he is right there with you. And as that love flows into your heart, that love of, of, of God flows into your heart. It replaces, it heals the hurt that is there too. And here's the best part. When you stop hurting, you stop hurting others. Jesus can heal he can heal your hurt with his love. But maybe you're angry because you're frustrated. Well, Jesus can take care of that too. Jesus can replace your frustration with his peace. And by that, I don't mean a, a fake short-lived peace. I'm talking about the peace that you have because you know that Jesus is your personal savior. When you trust that he lived and died and rose again for you, it's that truth, that peace that comes from the truth of knowing your, the guilt of your sin has been covered with his blood that your relationship with God, your heavenly father is restored and your eternity with him in heaven is a done deal. It's all because of Jesus. 
Romans 5 says, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. And that's amazing. But that peace can continue to flow into your heart and your life as you live out your day-to-day life, knowing that, A, God is in control. Jesus is right there with you in the middle of that frustration, and he's guiding and guarding your heart. That's what Philippians 4 is all about. Look at this. The peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's the peace Jesus offers. Right? It's not peace without frustration. It's peace in the middle of that frustration. And as Jesus does, doesn't only fill, fill you with his love, but with, his, with your peace, okay, as that fills up, the level of, of frustration goes down because you know God's got this. Third, sometimes you feel angry because you feel insecure. Well, Jesus can remove that insecurity with his power, with his power. As a member of God's family through faith in Christ, you have the full power of God available to you right here, right now. And certainly it is the power of the gospel, the good news of God's love for you in Jesus Christ. As Paul says in Romans 1, it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. But this power is also like the power, this power um, is also the power of Christ that like his, his love and his peace, it flows into your heart and into your life. And it is what allows you to be filled up with that power that as you are, as you are filled up with that, that power, it moves that, that level of insecurity down. And as that level of insecurity lowers, your anger lowers too. See how it works. And it's all because of Jesus. So today you've learned a couple of practical steps to help you make your temper foolproof. But keep in mind, you can't do this on your own. You need that love, that peace, that power of Jesus Christ to make it a reality so that you can live a life, a life that is is going to be filled with God's blessing, but more important, a life of wisdom that honors God. Now, last week, I challenged you to read those 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs, and I challenged you to, to read one chapter a day, okay, every day for the next 31 days. I don't know if you did that or not, but if you haven't, start, okay? We need that wisdom, so, so fill your heart and your mind with that. But here's the challenges for you for this week. Between now and next Sunday, number one, connect with God and memorize Proverbs 16, verse 32. That is not the right, I don't know why that did that. There it is. Connect with God and memorize Proverbs 16, 32. Memorize that verse. Okay, it's the verse that says, better to be patient than powerful, better to have self-control than to conquer a city. Memorize that verse and get it into your heart, into your life, into your mind so that it impacts your life. Second, love others by controlling what you say. Whether it's controlling the volume or the choice of words, watch what you say. Make sure your words are constructive, not destructive. And then third, ask Jesus to heal the causes of your anger. Whether it's hurt, frustration, insecurity, whatever it is, ask Jesus, go to him and ask him to heal you with his love, his peace, his power. So that again, you can enjoy his blessing, but more importantly, live a life of wisdom that's going to honor God. All right, let's pray about that. Let's pray about that. Our Father in heaven, once again, I thank you for the wisdom of your word, especially in this area that so many of us wrestle with today, myself included, and it's losing our temper. Help us to not just be hearers of your word, but doers as well. Give us the power, the strength, and the desire to take these words and to live them out to live out this wisdom and enjoy your blessing and more importantly, to honor you. We love you and we pray all this in Jesus' great name. And all God's people said, amen, amen.
All right. So before we move into this song, I want to take a moment to just prepare ourselves for this incredible gift of God's grace that we're going to receive in the bread and the wine, which are Christ's body and blood. To prepare our hearts, there are a variety of questions, just to make sure we're all on the same page. This is the first question. Have I been baptized in the name of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? If you say yes, this is the next question. Do I believe that I'm a sinful human being without hope of eternal life, without God's mercy and grace in Christ Jesus? If you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm lost without Jesus. Here's the third question. Do I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and my personal Savior, that he died for me? If so, here's the fourth question. Do I believe that Christ is personally present in the bread and the wine with his body and blood? This is a mystery. I get it. But in these common elements of bread and wine, Jesus Christ, um, bread and wine, in the, in the common elements, in, with, and under those common elements of bread and wine are Christ's body and blood. And we receive the bread and wine in a natural way. We receive his body and blood in a supernatural way. Do you believe that? Then here's the next question. Do I commit by the power of the Spirit the Holy Spirit to live a godly life because you can't do it on your own, right? If you say yes to those, I invite you to come forward. I invite you to, to come forward and receive in a tangible way God's grace uh, for the forgiveness of your sins and the strengthening of your faith. For all of you here as, as sinners who can just confess that, that you're a sinner in need of a Savior, you believe you need, you need a Savior and you have a Savior and His name is Jesus, I want you to know your sins are forgiven. They have been washed away by the blood of the Lamb. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, gave it to his disciples. And he said, take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also after supper, he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink from this cup, all of you. This cup is a new covenant in my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of all your sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The worship ascenses are going to be coming up right now. And when they are prepared, they will invite you to come forward to celebrate this incredible gift of God's grace. Again, for the strengthening of your faith, for the forgiveness of your sins. And as we celebrate our amazing, wonderful, gracious God.